Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is episode 71 with Nathan Chan. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast, where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxas. Welcome, everybody. Today I have with me Nathan Chan, and he's the editor-in-chief and publisher of the digital magazine Founder. Um, this can be found in iTunes, newsstands, and entrepreneurs. And he's also someone who has a passion for entrepreneurship and people, so he's always down to talk about different ways you can maximize your, your exposure as an entrepreneur and also be the best type of entrepreneur that, that you can be. He's interviewed people like Sir Richard Branson, Arena Huffington, Robert Green, Seth Godin, and many, many more. So I'm really excited to have him on the show as he's about to drop some wise words for all these entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Thank you so much for the uh, kind intro, Tara. It's a pleasure <laughs> to be here. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. So why don't you give the audience your backstory, maybe your background, and how you got to where you are? Sure thing. So... I started Founder March 2013, so I've been running it for about a year now. And uh, as you said, it's a, it's a digital magazine targeted at young entrepreneurs, early stage startup founders, and aspiring entrepreneurs. And pretty much, I started it uh, while I was working my full-time job, and Founder's my first real business. I haven't actually... Like I haven't actually run businesses previous to Founder, so I'm kind of on the journey with everyone else, and I guess I started it because I saw a need in the marketplace where I felt that there wasn't really a, a magazine or publication out there that you could really relate to, and uh, I knew that you know podcast interviews like the one we're doing right now two years ago were quite hot, and I thought... Well, okay. Well, why not create a digital publication? It's it's scalable, and it's it, to put it all together. It didn't cost me much money, 
So I started off as a passion project while I was working full time. And then uh, after about 12 months, I, I realized that I was actually losing money being in my day job. So I left my job and uh, yeah, we've been growing it. I've been growing it ever since. And uh, we're now a, a top 10 business and investing ranked uh, magazine in the app store. So we sit next to Fast Company, Forbes, Entrepreneur. And uh, yeah, I'm just trying to provide as much value as I can. And we're much more than a magazine now. We're a podcast too. We're, we're essentially a media brand. Mm. So um, yeah, that's my story, I guess, man, in a roundabout way. I love it. I love it. Now, you said you were losing money. Can you talk more about that? What did you mean by losing money? Well, I think when you start a business, as time goes on, you realize how valuable time is. And for me, it got to a point where, one, I was close to replacing my income at my day job, and I realized that if I were to leave my day job, I could generate more money mm. uh, as opposed to working my day job and doing founder on the side. And plus, it was kind of like the end game for me. Like, I started it off as just, just seeing, let's see what happens, but then you know, I started getting more emails coming through and, and people reaching out to me telling me how much our work has had an impact on their life. And, and I started to realize that maybe I can, can really turn this thing into a serious business. So, yeah, does that answer your question? I guess, yeah. No, I, no I, it does. It does. Yeah. I, I can see because, you know, the potential of more money you could have made, you, you were leaving on the table because you were going to your other job and your passion project was actually something that you really wanted to do anyway. So why not spend way more time on that and go full-time on that and actually realize some of the money you were leaving on the table? So, yeah, no, it makes sense. Yeah, and, yeah, that's right. Because I think <laughs> when, you have a, when you have your own business, you control your like the outcome. Mm -hmm. you, you can control how much more money you make. And with a day job, it is very difficult to control that because you have to ask for permission. You know, if you want to make more money, like you want to have an increase in your monthly paycheck, you have to ask. Right. Um, but, you know, when you have your own, your own business, you can really control that because the cure to, you know, more business growth and making more money is sales. And, you know, you can, you can cold call, you can cold email, you can do whatever you need to do to move that needle. Yeah, no. So your target market, you said it's uh, young entrepreneurs. I'm guessing these are millennials, right? Yeah, it's funny that, like, we say that we're for young entrepreneurs, but we have a lot of, you know, people that don't consider them, like, aren't in the millennial generation mm. that read the magazine. And, uh, yeah, look, I guess when you think about anyone that's starting a business, they tend to be anywhere from the ages of 18 to, you know, 35. But still, like, there's a lot of people that get value from the content we produce, and they're a lot older than 35. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's a great question. I, I haven't really thought about that much, to be honest. <laughs> no, I just kind of, yeah. It, it just sort of happened because, you know, the, the thing with entrepreneurship is that um, this is something I want to touch on anyway. We both have publishing companies, and what was interesting was you were talking about how yours was a you know a side project mine was also a side project initially because i was you know getting my mba and I, I thought why not you know i'm someone that lived in four different continents five different countries why not try and create something for uh, on cross-cultural management and see what 
uh, I've learned and actually see if I can interview people on global business and global entrepreneurship and how learning how to communicate communicate across cultures can actually help you embrace your global identity. And then from the podcast, mine started with the podcast, you started a magazine. From the podcast, it became a more media publication where I was giving more people the voice to be able to share the story in written video and audio. And, and I was saying to myself the other day, as I was prepping for your interview, I was saying, it's crazy how now it's a lot easier for you to become a media company than it was a few years ago. You know, because it was before mm. you had the bigger media companies and you had all the, everything, all the TV shows ran through them and everything ran through now. But now you've got YouTube, you've got every single publication. And as an entrepreneur who wants to build a business and a brand, I'm very curious, based on the people you've interviewed, if you've noticed this trend of people starting and creating their own platform, you know, using digital media. Yeah. Well, look, um, I think, yeah, what you describe is so spot on because the internet has changed the game, man. You want to be a radio host. You, have, you can have a podcast. You want to have your own TV show. You can post it on YouTube. You want to have a magazine. You can publish it on the App Store and Google Play Store like, you know, <laughs> what we do. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so the internet has changed the game and that, that like, there's no better time in history right now to launch a business because you can start it for next to nothing because you know for you can utilize overseas talent exactly what we did with founder and you can leverage i guess uh currency and you know work with people in philippines or india or romania or wherever so that's one piece of the puzzle sorted in terms of not having enough capital and then there's also the crowdfunding piece and all that kind of stuff but then there's the internet where it opens up the world like founder is on 155 app stores all around the world and you know i get people that contact me from barbados kenya uk netherlands you name it new york so (laughs) you yeah there you go new york so you name it so the playing field is completely open and because this the internet has changed the game i am yeah you definitely see all these people springing up where they can have a voice yeah and that's and that's essentially, you know, how me and you are speaking right now. It's essentially how, you know, somebody that I interviewed called Michelle Farn started. So she started a YouTube channel. Yep. And uh, her company's like a multi-million dollar business now. And it's got a run rate of, I think, at least 30, 40 million. Just, yeah. And she just built it off this YouTube channel by doing makeup videos. She's So... She just had a voice and she's turned into a business. And I think it's also the internet allows you with your own personal brand to build a community and uh, it allows you to connect with others. So the thing with Founder is, right, you know, some some people see us as a big brand, but then other people see us as, you know, Nathan Chan from Founder. So a lot of people really connect with my story and my personal brand as well. And, uh, you know, there's so many influencers out there on Instagram, Twitter, you name it, that have these communities or tribes where they have a voice and people listen. And uh, you can you can serve that community further by not just producing content, but helping them in producing products, just like Michelle has done with, you know, she was teaching makeup, 
we own her makeup videos, then she created a product which was a subscription-based makeup uh, bag where you you know for five dollars or ten dollars a month you can you can get all this makeup delivered to you, and she's got something like you know hundred thousand paid customers or something crazy. So you know you can further. Uh, extend that relationship and and help others further so you know that's a business in itself yeah no michelle fan's pretty big here she's actually in new york you can see she's on the subways and i I remember when she first started youtube videos and it was crazy what happened and she blew up but um it's it's Mm. that that personal brand and speaking on personal brand this is something i've always been intrigued by so your founders founders is you how do you separate or do you ever separate because at some point, even I, I go through this with my company. When when I'm, you know, I'm UID is, is the UID Media is the company, and then there's Ty Roxon. And then I, sometimes I wonder, do I push too much of myself, or is my personal brand actually what UID is? How do you reconcile that with founder? What's Nathan Chan and founder the same, or mm. do you try to separate that and try and make it look like it's a separate brand? Because it's, you know, it's that Richard Branson Virgin dynamic as opposed to other type of things. Mm, yeah, that's a really good point because, yeah, like whenever you think of Richard Branson, you think of Virgin and he does all these crazy PR stunts mm. um, to put Virgin on the map, especially in early days. Like he did world records and crazy things with hot air balloons and all sorts of crazy stuff. So pretty much for me, because Founder is my first business and I guess – Founders, the brand that I'm trying to build, I have a big focus on building founder. Mm-hmm. However, you know, it's me behind the podcast. It's you see us, you know, in the about us page on the website. Every if you sign up to our newsletter, it's always sent from me. Yeah. So I've got a big focus on building the founder brand. I'm not that concerned with my brand, but mm-hmm. I'm, you know, me as a person is seeping through the founder brand. And and I think it kind of intertwines. It's not separate. Um, but, however, as time goes on, I will have a focus to develop my own personal brand. So I'm going to have a personal blog and, you know, I'll have more emphasis on, you know, growing my personal Facebook page or my Twitter page and I'll do some more thought leadership stuff and Mm. maybe I'll produce a book and and stuff like that. But I guess for me and and our, like the two brands that I have in place right now, whether it's my personal brand or my business brand, I guess it just comes down to your goals really. Like, you know, for, for founder, um, I I just want to grow founder. Um, I'm not I'm not really that concerned with my personal brand just yet. It just comes back to your goals, I think. Yeah, it comes to goals. No, that's good. And when you founder, you you want to grow founder. You've been committed to that. And I actually do sign up for your newsletter, so I get a lot of what you send. But mm. you focused on building the community, and this is a big pain point with a lot of online entrepreneurs. You know, when, when they have this great idea. Sometimes they get they hit a snag when they're trying to grow an audience. I hear this all the time. My newsletter isn't big enough. Not enough people are reading my content. How can I even release a product if no one does this? But what what do you say to that? Um, how do you engage an audience? How do you grow an audience? And how do you overcome that um, idea that you're not big enough to even do anything? Mm, that's a great question. I think... When it comes to building an audience, you know, one year ago, 
our audience was probably 10% the size of it that it is now. And I think the reason that it's grown so much over especially the past six months is because I've just been contributing more to my community and not my, you know, not the, just the founder community, but the entrepreneurial community. So I think if you want to build a community, you need to serve that market, you know. So, for example, we're in the entrepreneurial niche. You know, you need to be serving that niche. So how can you serve that niche? You create a, you can create a podcast and put out regular episodes on your podcast. You can create a blog and produce it. You know, we're producing at least three to four pieces of content just on the blog alone every week. And we, I can do – I can do interviews like the one that we're doing now and I can speak to our audience further and we can grow our social channels like Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and the most important piece of all of that is just being consistent you can build a community by just producing great content that provides a ton of value and you deliver it over a consistent period of time and you know word of mouth spreads and you know if you do great work and you provide value people will come and they'll interact with your brand and you will build trust and and people will follow you so that's the piece on how to build a community and that's that's something that i've like i'm starting to see some great results but it's only been you know the past six months that i've really started to feel that our work is really starting to get some legs um, in terms of why you should, well, I guess it comes down to it depends on what kind of business you're trying to build. Like, for example, one of my mentors, he runs, you know, one of the the biggest e-commerce, uh, one of the biggest e-commerce com- companies in Australia, and uh, he does a lot of, you know, deals, you know, like Groupon and stuff like that here in Australia. Uh, so he runs, you know, one one business in particular called deals.com.au. Does it mean that much to him whether he has a community or not? I'm not sure. It just depends. Like, you know, he's got a lot of traffic coming to his to his site and, you know, he has hundreds of staff and he has all these all these people signing up to the mail database, but you know, and every day they get notified about the new deals that are coming out, but how well does he interact with that community? You know, how well does he serve that community? He's serving it from the epic deals that he's getting them, but is he producing much content? Not so much. So I think it comes down to the kind of business you're trying to create too. Some some people, whether you, if you're developing your personal brand, well, yeah, you definitely need to build a community. And uh, there's one thing in particular that I'd like to refer to, and it's um, the theory of a thousand true fans by Kevin Kelly. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Love Kevin Kelly. So, so what that theory is is essentially uh, if you have a thousand people in your community that absolutely love what you do. And you can, you can. They will, they will be prepared to spend a hundred dollars a year. You have a hundred thousand dollars a year, and you'll be set up for life. Your personal brand, your community, you're set. You don't need any more people. You can live comfortably forever if you have a thousand true fans. So that's if somebody's looking to build a community. That's what I recommend to start with. Just thinking about how can I find a thousand people that I can serve so extremely well they are prepared to pay me a hundred dollars for whatever I do. 
And then, yeah, look, you you know, in my business, we wouldn't exist if, if we didn't have the community that we do. We, our why is we want to show people what's possible through entrepreneurship. We want to show people how to build a successful business. We're trying to create a movement. So we need a community. We need people to spread the word. We need people just like you that asked me to come onto this podcast. So, you know, a community for me and my business is extremely important. And uh, I guess there's a lot of power in in numbers and power in having a tribe because you can you can make things. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spread. No, I, I absolutely love it. And I, I think um, I think you're right in, in that 1,000 one true fans sense because if you're able to convince enough of those, you know, 1,000 people that you're <laughs> worth it, I mean, it's like it's an exponential number, right? And then they do the selling for you. And you can just focus mm. on continue to do that, and that's the point that I think um, a lot of entrepreneurs miss because basically what you described, you know, you said you only start to realize in the last six months, it's the theory of overnight success really takes lots of hard work, right? It takes a <laughs> yeah. lots of hard work, and then someone might look at you and say, "Wow, well, Nathan, look at him! Wow, look at that! That's crazy!" But no one <laughs> would know the amount of work you put in, the hours you put in while you were off, while you were working the other job, and then some of the engagement that you've been stressing, 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 and then all of a sudden, boom, traffic soars. You get this big interview, you know, that type of thing. And then, but it's, you know, you can't let your foot off the gas if, if, you're, if you don't get one traffic, you know, one month, basically. Yeah, that's right. Like, you need to keep building momentum, and, and it's, it's simply like a snowball. Like, that snowball just keeps rolling down the hill and the more it rolls down the more snow it collects and that's kind of what happens but yeah you know you you asked me Taylor like uh, you know how, you know you've built a community very well you, you make it sound like I knew what I was doing <laughs> <laughs> to be honest man I've just all my whole thing is I just try and provide as much value as I can have a, a lot of fun along the way and <laughs> And just learn, like, and that's all I'm really doing. Like, it, it was never strategic. All the things that I'm doing now, mm-hmm. two years from two years ago, a lot of the things that I'm doing now were, were not the things that I originally planned. So you have to be prepared also, not just like that it takes time, but that you're going to work things out along the way. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, you stay consistent and you continue to provide value. And that, and mm. the, the testament to what to your society right now, your community, is that you are providing valuable information. I found you through Twitter, reached out to you. 
we've been emailing back and forth. Now we're on Skype. It's the you know it's the beauty of of the of digital media community. I'm and I'm I'm a Nigerian living in New York, and you're in Australia, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just it's crazy. But that's that's mm. that's always something I like to to point out to people when people are saying it's how do I reach that rather you know 15 years ago you didn't have this playing field right now and now you have something that equalizes and flattens the world um, and it's up to you to try and, and uh, really get around to, to making that uh, connection and which leads me to the next question is someone will look up to you and say Nathan how did you get Sir Richard Branson on your, on your thing how did you get Seth Godin on your podcast Whoa, how did you interview all these people that's what they'll be saying and that's what I'm saying so how did you <laughs> so how did you get these guests? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I get this question a lot. So it's actually Seth Godin, that interview hasn't gone live yet. That will go live next month and mm. the uh, front cover issue with him. But uh yeah, look, it comes back to that momentum, man. Like there there's quite a there's a few things there that um I think would be a lot of value to your audience. The first thing's first is having a magazine is extremely powerful for building authority. I don't know what it is about magazines, but uh, people have a lot of respect for magazines. They respect them more than a blog, and they respect them more than a podcast. So if somebody says, do you want to be on my magazine, let alone the front cover, that has a lot of weight. Right. But then the next piece of that puzzle is to have readers. Now, I didn't get you know all these you know big-time influences in entrepreneurship on founder the first day I started even the first day I started I didn't even have like the first issue that we released March 5th 2013 we didn't even have a successful person on the front cover we had a stock image and that's because no one would get back to me it's funny I actually um, I actually ended up catching up there was a guy from America. I actually caught up with him here in Melbourne. We connected over Instagram of all places and uh, we caught up for beers here in Melbourne. But two and a half years ago when I started the magazine, I emailed him and asked him whether he wanted to be on my magazine and he never wrote back to me. <laughs> so it's funny like that. And now like, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't even be able to feature him because our editorial calendar is full for 2015. So you've got to, you've got to, I guess, Start providing value. It comes back to the value piece. You know, build your readership up to it gets to a reasonable point where you can start saying, "Well, hey, I can provide you ten thousand, or twenty thousand, or thirty thousand, or forty thousand people to see your stuff, and all I ask is for you to come on the show or you to come on the magazine." And ask a few questions, you know, whether it's done through email, whether it's done through Skype or or whatever. So once you've got to that point, you know, you've got a community, you can leverage your own community and say, hey, you know, I've got 10,000 podcast listeners. Would you like to come on my show? And, you know, the I can and then you need to look at what that other person wants so we recently just, um, just as an example, we just went live with an interview we did with Tim Ferriss. And Tim Ferriss is one of my heroes. Like if it wasn't for the four-hour work week, I wouldn't be sitting here right now talking to you. I'd probably be in a nine-to-five job. Right. So how did I get in touch with Tim? Well, first things first, I, we have a magazine, we have a podcast, we have a media brand. So we have a decent-sized community. 
Second thing is he's trying to promote his TV show. So he's looking for press. So all, pretty much all these interviews I get to, uh, it's generally because people are looking for press. They're, they're looking to do interviews. So I just find the right person, whether that's the PR person behind that company, whether that's an agency that represents that person, or whether I pitch them cold and I know what they want and I give it to them. So, you know, that's how I got Tim Ferriss. That's how I got Seth Godin, you know, um, people like also like Tim and Seth, I'm massive fans of their work. I've not only, you know, purchased all the, their books and products, I know their work so extremely well. When I do pitch them or when I do get in contact with that person, I, it, I make it very obvious that they can see that one, I'm going to, I have a, an audience that can help serve them. Two, there's a fair exchange in value because they're taking their time to, you know, share value with my audience, and then my I'm exposing my audience to them. And then the third piece is, I guess, the entrepreneurial community has a big pay it forward model, and uh, that's also how I got Richard Branson. So I played on the fact that his first business venture was a magazine and then I just found the right person and pitched. So taking all of that into consideration, that's how I get my interviews. Um, and I'm, I'm getting quite good at it now, I believe. Like, you know, I, I'm trying to get like Elon Musk or Mark Cuban, yeah. all sorts of hard to reach people. Um, and I'm persistent too, you know. Uh, we interviewed Barbara Corcoran, and she was in the April issue, so the the last issue before yeah. Tim. Mm-hmm. And you know, I pitched her last year, about a year ago, and she said no. Then I came back to her, and I said, you know, six months ago I pitched you, and we had ten thousand readers. Now we have twenty thousand. You know, would you like to come back on? And she said yes. So another thing is being able, being prepared to play the long game because so many people want this person's time you have to be prepared to schedule up you know six months to 12 months in advance right um so yeah taking all of that into consideration so in summary i guess i've got an audience i've got a media brand i know the right people to pitch these people are looking for interviews and then i just ask and uh just see what happens yeah i love it i love it and um Seth Godin is pretty awesome. I, he comes to me every morning, six a.m. here, uh, <laughs> and with his oh. uh, daily blog. Um, so I, I, I think it's I think it's really cool that you did that. And the key thing in what you were saying that I pulled pulled out from it's it's so true. Persistence. Whether you know Brian Smith, he's probably he's closer to you than he is to me. But he, the founder of UGS, um, he I, the way I got him on the podcast was, was you have to get creative. So I, I knew someone was going to meet him. And I said, hey, well, you know, if it would be cool if you could, hey, mention that I know he has a book coming out that I, you have a podcast friend who has, you know, an audience in 109 different countries and he can give you an opportunity for you to share your book. And that was just mm. how it was. It was just like word of mouth type of thing. And then yeah, some, yeah. Yeah, sometimes, you know, the community you have, they can help you in, in a sense that they might be going to an event or they might know someone and know someone and then you can leverage those connections as well. And then it happens like that. But it, it's all by getting creative and being persistent. And uh, that sounds like that's exactly what you did. And like you said, you, you're getting quite good at it. So um, 
I'll be looking forward to that Elon Musk issue <laughs> because he's uh he's he's pretty amazing and um yeah he's yeah. a boss. We'll yeah. see how we go. It's good. Yeah. That one's probably going to take me a couple of years, I reckon. But I, I have well, pitched a couple of times, um, and yeah, just keep trying. Long game, long game. All right, mm. uh, we're going to wrap up soon. But I wanted to get. I mean, it'll be, I'll be remiss if I didn't ask who your fa- <laughs> yeah. who your favorite uh, who your favorite has been. I mean, who who your favorite entrepreneurs has been to interview, and then what the best advice you've gotten from your mentors has been. Hmm. Good question. Let me think about that. Okay. My there's two mm, there's three interviews that have been my favorite. Hard to pick just one. Mm-hmm. The first one would be with a guy named Gary Muller and he runs one of the top bed and breakfasts in the Hamptons called Millhouse Inn and uh I'm actually going to catch up with him uh, in a couple of months, which will be pretty amazing. Um, and he was just a fascinating guy. And it was, you know, somebody that, you know, you would never have heard of. And he was actually introduced to me by Chris Brogan. But that was just a fascinating interview. And it was really, really deep. And, and we talked a lot about, I guess, his experiences in life. And, uh, yeah, I think that interview more than anything it was around the importance of developing relationships with your customers um that that was my biggest takeaway there so the power of of developing a a relationship with your customers and your audience and that's something that i am very very mindful with everything i do i'm always trying to develop that relationship like i might you know, in a podcast episode, say how I've got allergies, food allergies, because people will be able to connect with me more. It's like, you know, it's it's just, a, I think, a smart thing to do. So, you know, that was that one with Gary. That was that was a fantastic one. Then the one with Seth Godin, because much like you, he's, he's someone that I love his work so much. I've read so many of his books. I listen to everything that he says, like, I don't miss a heartbeat when it comes to what Seth's doing and and everything he says. Mm -hmm. I quite often, I've listened to his Startup School podcast probably all the episodes at least 10 times, every (sighs) single one. It's so good and you learn so much every single time. Like, it's, it's crazy. So... His interview was just absolutely amazing and uh, I'm just trying to think, what did I take away from that? Uh, You put me on the spot, but uh, (laughs) that was a brilliant interview and I'm really, really proud of it. Um, I do so many, so it's it's hard to remember. No, Um, trust trust me. Yeah, I I can, I mean, if you can't think of it now, um, I'll just say what's the best advice you can give someone else that's starting out to be as an entrepreneur. Hmm. Okay, yeah. All right, all right, all right. So, yeah, the other interview was Tim Ferriss. That was a brilliant one too. But um, probably the best piece of advice that I can give to anyone that's starting out that wants to be an entrepreneur is the, the thing that I've noticed the most between successful entrepreneurs like the ones that I just spoke of and the ones that, that aren't successful and aren't achieving the things that they want to achieve is just the – level to just the level of 
drive and determination and wanting it bad enough. Hmm. The more and more I'm, you know, in surrounding myself and meeting people and, and just entrenching myself in this space, the more and more I'm realizing that most people just don't want it bad enough. Most people aren't prepared to do the work. Most people are just comfortable in their nine to five job. So, you know, anyone listening to this podcast, I'd like to challenge you and say that if you do want to start a business, you know, you're going to have to get off your ass and do the work. And it's not going to be easy. But you have to be so frustrated with your current situation that you're going to be prepared to do work that you don't usually do. You're going to have to be prepared to step outside your comfort zone. Because, you know, one thing I find is just most people don't want it bad enough, man. Most people aren't prepared to work ridiculous hours or make sacrifices to achieve the things they want to achieve. It's just like, yeah, it would be nice to run my own business or, yeah, it would be nice to, you know, make 10K a month or 20K a month and do this and do that and travel around the world. But, you know, most people just aren't prepared to do whatever it takes to, to get there. So, you know, that's, you know, that level of hunger, that's actually, that level of hunger is actually what I look for now in people that I want to work with. I want to work with people that are extremely hungry. I want to surround myself with people that are extremely hungry. So I guess, yeah, in essence, for anyone listening to this, if you want to start a business, you've got to want it bad enough. Yeah. Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And before I wrap off. The theme of this podcast is use your difference to make make your difference. Um, use your difference to make a difference. So mm. Nathan, <laughs> I'm buying some time here. As I'm, I'm as you know, I'm going to ask you this question: How do you yeah. use your difference to make a difference? I guess you know I look at myself, and some people might think I'm a little weird, <laughs> <laughs> and the things I do are a little crazy, but with that craziness, with that weirdness, I help people. Like, the work that I do with Founder, you know, that's where the real gold is at. You know, it's not a, about the amount of money I make or the people that, you know, I interview to, you know, stroke the ego of mine or anything like that. It's, it's, to, it's to serve. It's to actually find people that are killing it in life and business and finding out what it takes and then showing that to others and sharing that knowledge and showing people what's possible. So, you know, it's my open curiosity. It's my kindness. It's just me being a little bit quirky and not like most other people that allows me to do the work that I do and, and serve, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. Okay. Um, and, and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to show people what's possible for entrepreneurship and, and I just don't want people to, I guess, live a life wondering that, you know, I, I feel like there's so much more for me, but I just don't know if, if all these things are possible, if I can leave my job, if I can build a business, if I can live life on my own terms, if I can achieve freedom or whatever. So, you know, I want founder to be a driving force of that. Okay. Well, Nathan Chan, the weird, quirky entrepreneur who serves <laughs> and makes it his mission to ensure that people know what the fruits in, uh, of uh, entrepreneurship can be if they stay committed. And he does that through Founder. Where can we find out more about Founder and where can we find out more about you and how can we um, 
staying tuned to what's next from you. Sure thing. So the best place to find me would be foundermag.com, but it's F-O-U-N-D-R, no E, M-A-G, so foundermag.com, or you can email me at nathan at foundermag.com or reach me on Twitter, um, Nathan H. Chan is my Twitter handle. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. All right. Well, thank you so much, Nathan. And we'll put all this in the show notes. Make sure people get uh, to get access to your amazing uh, resource, and then maybe even get you like uh, ten thousand more subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> Most deaf, bro. <laughs> that would be great. That would be great, right? So I, I uh, appreciate you taking the time to. Uh, You're most welcome. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.